the dude doesn't need to be hot. He just needs to be talented and interesting. And then he'll score like the super hot babe. But and she calls it the Danny Horst rule. But the opposite can never happen. Like the really talented, interesting female is never going to get like. She also has to be hot. (laughs) Yes, also has to be hot. Welcome back to another episode of Struggling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Jamie is here to give us an update on her reading challenge for July. So how about you go ahead and tell us what you challenged yourself to do this month? Well, I challenged myself to do a lot of things in July. So, <laughs> And the first one was I'm doing Dry July, which is like sober October, oh, but yeah. a different month. So <laughs> doing Dry July. And my thought being that I'd have more time to read, that I would be watching TV less because there's no wine involved, um, which is usually how I watch TV. So dry July and then read five books. Also, no internet shopping. That that's one's a hard month for you. It is, it's, <laughs> yeah, that is the that's the one I've broken. Yeah, uh, you know, so usually just, people only give up one thing for Lent, right? <laughs> I'm like going for it, but the reading thing was was fun. So I challenged myself for five books and pre-selected them which oh. is I mean, it's not that big a deal it's, it kind of like makes you be more to the commitment where you're not yeah. like i don't know what i'll read next like i picked them at the end it's of like school june yes you say your syllabus an assignment so i think the last time i was on i was like i need to read the covenant of water the abram verghese book which is like 800 pages <laughs> just shy of 800 pages so i started there that that was my first one because i like wanted to get it out of the way and sort of did the math like how much of the book i'd have to read every day like 20 percent <laughs> of the book and because i'm doing most of the reading on my ipad mm-hmm. it like tracks your percentage so i've oh, been like... very disciplined which is not a word i would use to describe myself <laughs> and that book is super serious and epic and all that so then i decided to switch to kind of more the beachy reads so i've done three in a row i'm gonna finish i'm 75 percent of the way done with the last one. So I'll finish it today. But three that are, I call them like pink cover books. Mm-hmm. So it would go with our Barbie vibe. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was just thinking that. <laughs> the first one I did was Happy Place by Emily Henry because I kind of needed something I could do quickly after Covenant of Water. And I like her. All th- So all three of the books I'm going to talk about, I've read previous works mm-hmm. by the author and Emily Henry wrote Book Lovers. Yes. I think that was her last one, which I really, really liked. And so I thought, well, I will like Happy Place is the one. It's her latest one. Very, very pink. That covers very Barbie-esque. <laughs> and I read that. So how was it? it just in general but also compared to your previous Emily Henry read very similar like she yes so I'm in a little she's she has like four or five books that I know about, but this is only the second one I've read and very consistent, very hallmark. It's almost she's got she's got a formula she's sticking to. I, she I, knows what she knows. Yeah, this one works. was not, you know, super surprising. It's about six college friends, which also seems to be a theme of some of the books that I'm reading. <laughs> and they are like ten years out of college. I think they're like turning thirty, but they have this tradition of going to one of their family cottages in Maine. So these six friends who are now like 30-somethings spend a whole week together in this beautiful, you know, seaside. I guess it's a sea up there for this lobster fest. And they have an itinerary. But this year is special in kind of good and bad ways in that it's their last year because the one girl's family is selling the cabin. So, you know, everything is going to change. And the main character is Harriet. And she shows up. And to her surprise, her ex-boyfriend slash boyfriend 
is there. Slash boyfriend? Yeah. So are they like, on again, off again such? No, they were like so on, so in love, all of this. She's in, she's a, doing her medical residency in San Francisco and he's up with his family in Montana, but they, he breaks up with her on the phone, but they're so close and this friend group is so close that they don't tell their friends immediately or their family. So no one knows they're secretly broken up. So when her friend reaches out and makes sure that he's there and she sees him standing, she's like, oh my goodness, how will we get through the week? Mm -hmm. And so instead of doing what most people would do, which is confess that they're no longer together. They don't want to ruin it for everyone. Of course. Yeah, of course. So they <laughs> um, they must fake like they're still together. Yeah. I feel like it would be very awkward if she decided to come out with the truth when he has flown to Maine yes. to, to maintain the charade. Yes. Um, so there's so lots it's... of charades. I love how you say that, by the way, oh, the charade. Uh, so there's lots of charades going on, you know, during this week. And, you know, it's a Hallmark movie, so you can imagine yeah. how it ends. Oh, yeah. They're forced to spend time together and they remember what they like about each other. And they're like, the distance was the really the thing keeping us apart. And it is. You do wonder, like, why they did break up because they're like, especially a... over the phone. That would be a I lot know, of trust issues. Why, when, why did you break her heart, you know? Yeah. And so there's a it's few because other, I like, loved you too much and I knew I were, was keeping you back from living your life. Oh my gosh, Katie, did life. you read this book? I didn't. Yeah, yeah. she's watched a lot of Hallmark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that said, we're like making fun of it and stuff, but it is it's a really good, good yeah. it's a good beach read. It's a good airplane read. There's a few other tiny secrets in the book, but nothing like super earth shattering. Yes, so no bodies I, buried underneath the cabin or anything no like body. that. That's more my style beach I can read. tell you, there's no, no one is murdered in happy place. <laughs> I will say that as much as I did poke fun at it there is something very dependable and something that you like about reading a book that you can kind of see where it's going yeah you don't want to be surprised sometimes sometimes you just want to be like see the world's exactly the way I thought it was exactly. everything's yeah. okay yeah I mean that is why we watch Hallmark movies yeah every, like November and December so yeah yeah so I have to ask, because I only have just recently discovered the joy of reading, like, I don't know, those cozy cinnamon roll reads. Mm -hmm. When you read, like, three back to back, do they start to kind of blur together or do they feel distinct enough? Well, it's a great question because the next one blurred a little bit in theme, although the next one I'm going to say isn't really, what do you call it, a cinnamon roll? Yeah. It's not exactly yeah. a cinnamon roll. It might be a croissant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, um, the next one I did was Celebrants by Stephen Raleigh, and he wrote Lily and the Octopus, which mm -hmm. is... Oh, my gosh. Like one of the most memorable books in a very heart wrenching way that I've read. And that was a few years back. But Celebrants is very big chill. You guys are too young yeah. uh, to remember the movie Big Chill. But it in and very similar to Happy Place in that guess what it does follows six or maybe five uh, college friends many years after college. So this group of friends went to Berkeley and like the Big Chill, but different. Their friend named Alec. And I think in the big chill, it's Alex. So like, I don't know <laughs> oh, no. how purposeful he was being there. He died like their last year of college, like when right before they graduated, he died. Maybe it was suicide. Maybe it was an overdose. But he died and they did his funeral. And just like in Happy Place, one of the characters family is wealthy and owns a beach house in Big Sur, California. <laughs> so after the funeral, they all kind of gathered there and they made this very bizarre pact to do every like why wait until you're dead to do your funeral and tell you how I feel about you so they have a pact where they can invoke a living funeral mm -hmm. at any time you know in their lives down the road if they want to have their own funeral all of the friends must gather together and kind of give the the eulogy where the person can hear it so that reminds me a little bit of the plot of the movie. It was an indie film called Get Low, where this dude lived in a small, maybe Tennessee town or something. And he 
decided to host a living funeral so he could hear what all the townsfolk were saying about him. Yeah, I mean, sim- so. yeah, similar to that. I, when I was in high school, I can't believe I'm going to go on record. I rewrote the Canterbury Tales as if it were my funeral, and I was sitting in a tree, like <laughs> listening to everyone eulogize me, and I wrote the eulogies myself. <laughs> she was so cool. I was, <laughs> thank gosh there was no social media back then, and like probably my parents have moved a few times so hopefully the that, papers away. I hope that document does not exist because I would be mortified. So yes. they each get to invoke their living funeral yes. once. Are they strategic about what stage in their life they decide to have? Yeah, theirs? it's usually like when they're in crisis. Like so I think the first one that calls the funeral, I think she's going through a divorce and it's many years later like they've solidly hit midlife at this point. So one was like after a divorce, the other guy kind of gets in trouble for art fraud situation. <laughs> so Berkeley of yes. Yeah, and the other one's parents die in a, a plane crash and that kind of sets her off and then oddly not oddly one of them is actually dying so he's going to die and they do his funeral while he's still there so it's a little less chiclet but yeah yet you know yet yet <laughs> so i but i did i liked it mm-hmm. didn't i think it was a jenna hager bush book club book I, mm-hmm. it was someone's book club book but it was solid pick, solid read, good stuff. Yeah. Does it have romantic themes or is it more of like a beach read in that it is just a nice reflection? You know, yeah. Yeah. It's friendship. and It's more friendship, kind of. although there's a tiny, I mean, you could argue there's a tiny bit of romance. And one of the couples, this is cute, the two of them are named Jordan and they call them the Jordies and they're married. So like there's oh. a couple among them and then maybe some other tomfoolery um, <laughs> among the friends, but very minimal. Like romance <laughs> is not a big theme, but kind of like... Okay. Enduring friendship. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, that was good. And then the third one, which also has a pink cover, is Romantic Comedy is the title, and it's Curtis Sittenfield. I just checked that out to somebody. Oh, oh, I like, thought you were going to say to yourself. No, yeah, yeah. like 20 minutes ago, that was Yeah. Really- <laughs> I can't know if it's somebody else's book club book, but I was a fan of her. She wrote, among other things, but the book I liked that she wrote was American Wife, which was a fictional, very fictionalized, but still based on Laura Bush. Mm-hmm. So really I liked that book a lot, but this one is so this you would like this part mm-hmm. about it. It I had no I, I mean, I knew it was going to be chicklety and like romantic esque, but the main character whose name is Sally is a writer on what would be Saturday Night Live, but they call it the Night Owls, so T N O. But the whole first section of the book gives a really, really interesting behind the scenes look at like how they produce the show mm-hmm. with like timelines, like what they're doing on Wednesday, what they're doing on Thursday, like how they film it, how they pick the sketches, the comedy sketches. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really super interesting. But she's the writer. And like the first episode that they kind of feature that she's writing for, uh, she writes a skit and it's called The Danny Horst Rule, which basically says that men who aren't super good looking, but maybe talented like they're comedians or they're, you know, comedy writers, they get the model A-list actress mm-hmm. girlfriends. And that's happened like so many yeah. times, it's particularly even with SNL characters like the Pete Davidson mm-hmm. I was going to say Kim Kardashian, but he's got lots of A-list uh, yeah. girlfriends. Like, So her premise is in this skit that the dude doesn't need to be hot. He just needs to be talented and interesting. And then he'll score like the super hot babe. But 
and she calls it the Danny Horst rule, but the opposite can never happen. Like the really talented, interesting female is never going to get like. She also has to be hot. (laughs) Yes, also has to be hot. You know, her talent and whatever, she has to be, you know, incredibly good looking and stuff to score Mm -hmm. the Hollywood hunk. But, you know, it's a book. So she is that person, right? She's, Mm -hmm. I don't think she's ugly or anything like that. I think she's this normal, average looking person with a lot of talent. And she falls in love with the musical guest slash host who's like this famous rock star. I kept trying to figure out who he was. Like, is he John Mayer? Is he I mean, but it's all it's all fiction. So he's no one. But and he likes her back. Oh my gosh. So they're gonna break the rule. This is the book I'm only 78% done with. So Mm -hmm. um I don't know if they live happily ever after. But they meet on this, you know, on the set and he kind of likes her and then COVID happens and they end up being email pen pals and they fall deeply in like over email and then she goes and visits him in his Hollywood, you know, home and that's where they are right now. I do oh. love yeah. a an epistolary like pen pal-esque section of a novel. Oh and yeah that part and that part is done in email. Like mm-hmm. the, it changes format. The whole first part is just straight narrative and then that section is done in the emails that go back and forth between them. So it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Chicklet is always interesting for me in that it kind of blurs some lines between romance and fiction. Are both of the chicklet titles you talked about today, are they both in fiction? Fic- yeah, they're fic yeah, what do you mean? Well, or romance. romance. Oh, where we shelve them. Yes. yes. I was sorry, like, shelving. I was like, did Leslie think I was talking about real people? Which no, is, no. These are all is, my friends. Which is how my dad was growing up. My mom and my sisters and I all watched soap operas and we'd talk That's about funny. them. And my dad would always be like, who is this? Who is this person? That's a friend of yours? That doesn't sound like a very good friend. <laughs> Don't worry. I know none of this is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you threw me with that question. But I believe, I know the Settenfield book is in fiction because mm-hmm. that's where she is. Um, Emily Henry, I think, is in I think romance. she's romance. I think she's in romance. Yeah. And then Stephen Rowley, gonna, that's going to be fiction. Yeah, I figured that was super. His isn't really a romance anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's a great genre crossing question. But it yes. is interesting because it feels like it is kind of just your perspective on how much of it is about romance versus the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some people say how much actual sex is in the book. Mm-hmm. And some, but neither, like, not at all graphic. Yeah. Not at all graphic. If that's what you're looking for, you'll have to. <laughs> you'll have to do A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yeah. <laughs> Heard that one steamy. Which is not in romance either. It's yeah. not in romance. <laughs> yes. But yeah, these aren't, these aren't steamy. They're very mild and tame. Yes. Do they read... I assume very quickly. Yes, yes. I can do like 25 to 40% a day. Did it remind you what it was like to get through a book? Like, yeah. it was nice to get the refresher. Yeah, after coming out of water, for sure. And you know, my favorite place to read of all time is on an airplane. Like, it's oh, just, yeah. and I did a trip this uh, weekend and was able to do like 78% of the book. Mm-hmm. On the wow, on the round trip, yeah, <laughs> going and coming. So I just need to finish it off today. Do you have more chiclet lined up, or are you doing something? No, totally I'm different? doing something totally different. So that was I will call it the chiclet sandwich. The first one being not chiclet, the covenant of water, and then the last one for July. And today, I know it's not the air date, but today's the twenty fourth of July. So I've got like seven more days. Got time. I gotta, I gotta get after <laughs> it. It's a book by Colin Whitehead called Crook Manifesto. Okay. And I have read him before also. He wrote The Underground Airplane? Airport? He's it's, he's super edgy and interesting and 
that's the next one. I have noticed that your sandwich has meat on the outside. Yes. And bread on the inside. Fluff on the inside. Yes. That is. Yeah. I'm looking forward to finishing up July. And then in August, I've challenged myself again, but only to do nonfiction in August. Do you have any titles that you are scoping out? Yeah. One of them is going to be The People's Hospital, which has already been reviewed on here by Jake. I'm super Mm -hmm. interested in that. And then there's a new Gretchen Rubens, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it's a little bit self-helpy happiness related, which is what she kind of does. And then I've got I've got another stack on my desk I have to go <laughs> through. So a little bit of self-help and, mm-hmm. and some nonfiction narrative stuff. And do you ever listen to audiobooks or are you almost? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I coined the phrase years and years ago, listening is the new reading. And in these, actually only Covenant of Water, I think I did both just to get okay. through it. Like I would listen on the way home in my car and then read <laughs> before I went to bed just to get it done. The other ones I read, mm-hmm. because that's to me preferred for like short chapter chiclet yeah. type stuff is a lot better to me in print. But the Colin White head, I will listen to. Okay. Mostly. I'll probably listen to and read. I have tons of Audible credits. Oh, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that because the library, you can check out audiobooks for free on our apps. You can, or you can have it all and you can do both of those things. Yes. Which so you don't have I to. Do. Yeah, don't spend your Audible credits on things that you can get at the library. Save them for things that are Audible exclusives. Yeah, and I went, I went <laughs> through a lot an enormous of dry spell on reading when I was watching, I guess, too much TV and drinking too, too much. much wine. So I had like 14 credits when I went back oh, and gosh. I'm like, I need to spend some, some yeah. credits. But I do like to read and listen at the same time or the same title at different mm-hmm. times, obviously. It just makes it go fast. It helps, especially with the longer books. It helps with some of the heavy lifting of, yes. of getting through an almost 800 page novel. Yeah. yeah, I had to do that for Cloud Cuckoo Land. Oh, yeah, that's a long so book. so long. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And fortunately, the audio audiobook was delightful but then I was also making up time with the book yeah speed yeah. reading in between to try to get further yeah. and but I encourage everyone to like really set their reading goals that's what I mm-hmm. meant because I'm already like August will be nonfiction in September I think I'm going to do all fantasy okay the very brave of you yeah considering you don't I like fantasy don't do, but I've heard some really great things some from some podcasts mm-hmm. uh, I've been inspired to read some fantasy do you think you're going to get to a point where your monthly focus is going to feel too limiting like you're going to have some FOMO or kind I mean but the opposite of that is like there's so many too choices, much. especially like literally when you work in a library mm-hmm. and there's books at, right outside your they're everywhere yes. you can't decide it's too hard to decide mm-hmm. so I sort of do like deciding in advance that said I am a huge fan of if the book is not for me I'll put it down and close it luckily this July challenge I've liked everything enough to finish it so yeah we'll and see. honestly like a monthly challenge seems way more approachable than a yearly challenge you can have an off month and not be like well I ruined the whole year yeah. <laughs> and you can build in some of that like not spontaneity because it's planned but some of the variety that you may not get if you're just grabbing something off the shelf and yeah I already finished my annual Goodreads challenge Good so I've been you. in this weird space oh, of... it's only July I know yeah. well I'm always very careful when I set my goal because I know me and I mm-hmm. will feel crushed and like a horrible person if I don't <laughs> make it by the end of the year but what was what was your goal what was your... 24 I wanted to do two books a month so yeah, yeah. and, and it, higher I, I think I'm going to it is hard when you start falling behind <laughs> Yes. Because your Goodreads will just be like, hey, you're five books behind. And you're just like, oh, no. That, but overwhelming. I realized what a liar I was because people used to ask me all the time, oh, how, like, how, you know, you're a librarian. How many books do you read? And I would literally say, well, like at least 100 a year. And I think I believed that was true until I realized to keep that pace, you would have to read four or five hours a day. And we don't read at work most of the time. Yeah. So I was like, I 
probably wasn't reading 100 books. Probably not. My my boyfriend has reached 100 a few times. Yeah. It's like he likes reading, but until he started dating me, he never thought about like, oh, I should read way more often. And then I, I told him about Goodreads. I was like, my, you know, my goal is 40 or 50. And then he blew me out of the water that first year. It was so disrespectful so <laughs> to come into my profession. He's really an awful person. You he should really put out is. a fire. Is he a fire? <laughs> you, should, you should really show him up by putting out fires. I think he he likes if I stay away from dangerous things because I, I tend to uh, be very clumsy. So. You make them worse. Yeah. You make them worse. Yeah. But yeah. No, we, I think... I think to keep like if you if it's important to you and you want to read, I yeah. think setting goals is a good idea. Especially small achievable goals. Achievable yes. goals. Yeah. And five books a month is totally achievable. That's like yeah, barely over one a week. It's a smart goal. Which is <laughs> there you go. Two guys. hours a day. That's like it has to be at least two hours a day, which is easy <laughs> for me because I work at a library. <laughs> but go. you too can do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, sharing with us your latest reads, and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye. Bye.